It's time for me to answer some of your questions. Only three questions this week and three answers. The first is this. Uh, where does the Bible say that slavery is wrong? Well, to start off with, it's worth saying that the kind of slavery that existed in the first century that is talked about in the Bible is pretty different to the sort of slavery of the slave trade and so forth in the 17th and 18th century. That kind of slave trade was set up because people of a particular race were basically treated like animals, bought and sold. So it was this kind of um, uh, race-based, chattel-based slavery. That kind of slavery, which we, we hate and is horrible, is different in so many ways to the first century slavery. And this probably helps us understand why it is that when we read in the Bible, there are times when it will address slaves and it will address masters and it will say, slaves, be good to your masters, masters, be good to your slaves, and so on. When we otherwise would look at that and say, why on earth didn't he just say, we must ban this now? I think that's the first little thing to note about. But even though this is the case, uh, there's a book of the Bible that I love, I particularly love, and it's Philemon. And in the story about Philemon, it's only a short uh, book of the Bible by the Apostle Paul. It's written by Paul to this guy Philemon. Philemon had this slave called Onesimus. Onesimus was a bad guy. He ran away. Philemon could have gone and got him killed because that's what you did if a slave ran away. But this slave has become a Christian and has become a co-worker with the Apostle Paul. And so Paul says to the slave master Philemon, hey, I want you to receive back Onesimus, not as a slave, but as a brother. Because this is what happens when you are united with others in Christ. There is a, an innate equality amongst people who are in Christ. And in, in fact, an, an innate equality amongst humans. And I think we see this as it's bubbling through the system, uh, the, the whole understanding of what it means to be a human. And this sort of anthropology is is displayed through the scriptures. But there are some things that, that you, you would think, why didn't he just ban it and fix it up like that straight away? Well, the Christian faith was a fairly humble little faith back there and you know, 20 or 30 years after Jesus' death. Uh, it took quite a few centuries before slavery more widely was abolished. Bearing that in mind, though, uh, even though it is a different slavery and so on, uh, we, we do see that there is um, a slavery that... that slavery in any circumstance that devalues the status or the, the, uh, the, the value of a person is clearly contrary to what God stands for. And I think on that basis, amongst other things, we can see where the Bible um, and in, indeed God is against the kind of slavery where it will devalue a person. Question two, would you recommend Melinda Tankard Rice as a resource against child sexual trafficking? Yes, thank you for this question. I personally haven't heard Melinda speak, but I have a number of uh, very trusted Christian women who, uh, who I know who speak very, very highly of her. And if you check out her website, uh, she doesn't say that she's a Christian. She may be, I'm not sure, but she's been invited to come along to schools and to churches and so on to speak. She has a lot of resources. If you just Google her name, Probably the first thing that pops up on your search will be her website. Go and check it out. And uh, she's particularly well known for her work addressing sexualisation, objectification, the 
harms of pornography and sexual exploitation, trafficking and violence against women. A whole lot of things like this. Check out that website if you'd like some further help as a follow-up to the question last week about child sexual trafficking. And finally, question three, which is a question that came through via email to me this week. Is it okay for Christians to attend a yoga exercise class? Well, um, let me say up front that some of you might know that Mandy and I have been attending a yoga exercise class for the last year or so. Uh, but to be honest, if the instructor didn't call the class yoga, um, I would have thought it was just a stretching class. Um, basically, the first time uh, my, my physiotherapist said, you know, well, you might think about going to this class run by a physio and see what you think. And so I went along, it was free. I thought, okay, I am going to have my, my super you know, intense goggles out, checking every single thing I see to see if there's anything that I think is a problem. And as I got to the end of it, I thought that particular class in that particular situation, it didn't have anything in a different language or spiritual stuff. It was basically, it's a whole lot of stretches based on certain po you know, poses or whatever, that kind of thing. Uh, so I, I was, uh, as I looked at that, I thought, well, this particular kind of non-spiritual yoga uh, seems to me to be the thing that, that I would be comfortable to do and uh, I would see for other Christians it could be okay to do. But I take it that there are yoga classes out there that are a lot more spiritual and take in a lot more of other Eastern faiths and so forth and I don't think they are helpful. And so it's a bit of a tricky situation in, in some respects because uh, if there are people who would, for example, st uh, struggle with the fact that they heard that Mandy and I go to a yoga class as a Christian minister, uh, then what I the principle that I would take in that is uh, similar to the principle in the Bible where the, uh, there's the principle of meat sacrifice to idols. Uh, there's a principle in the Bible that says that at the end of the day, meat is just meat and where you get it from doesn't really matter. But there are some who would know that the meat had been, in the first century, already taken to a temple and had been involved in some sort of special ritual, a spiritual ritual, that would that some people say, I can't eat your meat or any meat because I know that it's been sacrificed to idols and therefore I have my conscience damaged by that and I think it's wrong for you. The Apostle Paul in that situation said, look, it's not a big deal, it's just meat. But if him by eating that meat would cause somebody else to stumble in their faith. And I think the idea of stumbling is sort of like when you wake up in the middle of the night and you have to go to the toilet and you trip over something and you lose your footage, uh, footing. Yeah, that kind of thing, that is sort of what others might do if they know that you've been eating meat sacrificed to idols or in fact that you have been going along to a non-spiritual yoga or something like that. So, so my situation is that, that uh, that's sort of the way I see things for, for me. But if I was aware of people around who, who found that to be a stumbling block, then I'd just go to a Pilates class or something else or, or go to a gym and play rugby or something manly. Is that right, uh, Peter? Uh, I think. Uh, but talk to me about that. Uh, I, I love it when, uh, when people send me emails or, or say, why, why do you do that or why do we do this or what's the situation with that? Um, uh, because I want to be accountable to you and I want to have that opportunity to have you ask me questions and things like that and to challenge what I do because I'm just another Christian guy in this room and uh, appreciate uh, the, the fellowship that we have that enables us to, to have those sort of conversations. Thank you for your questions.